Guess who's back in the mother grabbing house with a love me some Snoop Dogg. Uh, we are back. We are back. Gathering my thoughts here. I just had a glorious workout. I have started um, a forty-day easy, forty-day easy deasy. I'm still in my 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 uh, Snoop song. Um, forty-day strength challenge. It's not a strength challenge, actually. It's from the book Easy Strength with uh, Dan John and Pavel Tatsulin, two of my heroes. Um, absolutely love it. It's my favorite workout program of all time, to be perfectly honest. I think it's one of the best suited for athletes and uh, weekend warriors and anybody that's just trying to get out in shape that's starting off with nothing or you used to work out, but you haven't done it in a while. And there's a number of reasons for that. Uh, this would exclude training under the tutelage of a master like Jesse Burdick or Mark Bell or, you know, Big House. Give you a shout out, Joe Ken, my strength coach over at ASU. If you have one of the best strength coaches in the world or you live within driving distance of Westside Barbell where there's many of them, that's a different scenario. But, but for most of us who don't, uh, the reason I love uh, this this strength protocol is because it it for, there's many reasons. Number one, you're never sore, so that's what, it's great for athletes. And they break this down which quadrant you fall under. Uh, I think it's only available on Kindle. There might be some some people who have printed it out and binded it for you that you could pay uh, a hideous amount of money if you're not willing to read electronically. In any regard, um, it's very simple. You do the same workout five days a week for six weeks or eight weeks straight. And um, one of the key ingredients of this, I talked with Mark Chang about this actually, who's one of Pavel's uh, students, is that you know strength is a practice, movement is a practice. You don't work out as exercise to burn fat and, and burn calories and break a sweat. You work out to train movement patterns. You work out to practice strength or and you do yoga or mobility to practice mobility, to practice flexibility. These are concepts that I love. One of the quotes in the book is, if it's worth doing, do it every day. And, or if it's worth being good at, do it every single day. And I absolutely love that. It resonates with me because these workouts are short, they're sweet, you leave with more energy than when you start. And um, anyone can access this. Everyone's got a smartphone with an app that can download this book right now and start it. So anywho, that is a bit of rambling. Uh, I am 100% focused on the things that I can change in the world and that starts with me and that starts with my body as a tuning fork and an antenna to great spirit and a deeper sense of knowing, intuition, the high self, the daemon, a thousand names for it, but ultimately one knowing. And uh, it seems to me that practicing strength helps me hone that. It certainly makes me feel better, uh, regardless of if I'm able to tap into some type of superpower or not. I don't know. That remains to be seen. This episode is going to be fire. Uh, on the health front, Brigham is a guy I met in Fit for Service. Um, he does uh, telemedicine, which many of you have heard of telemedicine. A lot of people don't know exactly how it works. Uh, I've had many conversations with Brigham, and finally I was just like, dude, you got to come on the podcast. I know you're getting ready to go on Joe Rogan's, and potentially, and uh, you know he's going to blow up. He's already blown up, um, but I like to nab him first sometimes. I'm usually coming <laughs> right in Paul Check's wake and Rogan's wake and Aubrey's wake and anybody else out here, here, a great podcast guest. I'm like, hey, man, throw me a bone. <laughs> Let me get this guy on. Let me get this gal on. 
that's how I get a lot of my guests. But uh, it's really cool when I get to grab someone first from the big dogs and put them on. And um, you guys are going to love this one, man. I mean, he's Brigham has an incredible backstory. He is one of a handful of people that is trying to fix a broken system from the inside out by doing it better. And uh, I've spoken about that concept before. The idea of, uh, I think it was Brett Weinstein on Rogan's maybe a year ago, who, who, uh, who, what do you win in a revolution? It's the, the, the winners inherit the rubble, right? Or instead of blowing everything up, you replace it with something better. And uh, I'm going to have a number of guests on the second half of the year that are doing just that, whether it's in education, finance, health and wellness, food, uh, any one of these systems we've seen over the last year clearly needs fixing. And um, Brigham's got an awesome, awesome thing that he's doing. So excited for this one. There are a number of ways you can support this podcast. First and foremost, check out our sponsors. The sponsors make it possible. And we've got some great new sponsors. Also leave us a five-star rating because that helps other people see the show, even though it takes you 30 seconds and it's kind of a pain in the ass. Uh, Come on, guys. It's not really a pain in the ass. You can do it. You can do it. And that'll be great. We got Soul CBD, our latest and greatest brand new organic CBD company. Soul was founded by Mike Lee, a world-ranked professional boxer. Yes, that Mike Lee. And Angie Lee, a marketing expert, keynote speaker, and serial entrepreneur after experiencing their own struggles with an autoimmune disorder and anxiety. A lot of people got autoimmune issues now. It's uh, I think it was Dr. Michael Ruscio on this podcast that said if you combined all the different categories of autoimmune, it would be the number one disease in the world. So we got that, but, uh, and of course here, I'm going to make some, I'm going to say some things about the CBD company that may or may not, uh, they may need to be disclaimed at the end of this, uh, advertisement and that's just fine. But CBD is one of my favorites. Y'all know I've, I've been talking about this for a long time. It helped me come off of ibuprofen. I was taking 800 milligrams of ibuprofen sometimes twice a day when I was fighting, just to get through it because of pain and inflammation in my body and going to high-dose CBD was one of the things that allowed me to go off of non-steroidal anti-inflammatories permanently. And now the only time I might take that is post-burning man, (laughs) Uh, use it as a medicine rather than a crutch. CBD is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, They are US grown, organically farmed, gluten-free, and they have incredible flavors. It's the best tasting CBD company I've ever used. All their products contain zero THC. So if you're worried about that, if you have a job working for the man, hopefully you don't because they may be requiring shots soon. It's not too late to get out. <laughs> but uh, if uh, if you do have a job where you are tested for THC, which is a crime in its own right, um, all these products contain zero, 0.0%. They're all third-party lab tested. Uh, you can find their COAs on the website. It's physician formulated and backed by science. Consistency is the key. Consistency is the king with anything. That's why I was talking about uh, the Easy Strength program, the 40-day program that uh, is absolute absolute game changer. This is a really, you know, like I said, it's one of the most phenomenal tasting CBDs. It doesn't taste like dirt, has no earthy flavor. It's amazing. Uh, I look forward to taking it. My son takes it with me. It reinforces the good habits and consistency because it's not something I have to choke down. They have it available in oil drops, three different strengths, 500 mg, 1000 mg, and 1500 mg per bottle. Peppermint, orange, lemon, lime, watermelon, mint. Watermelon, mint is fire. They got gummies, capsules in 25 milligram, 
And they also have different types of capsules, which is really cool. They have an alert, a little bit of caffeine. They have Dream that has some melatonin. They have relief, chill, immunity, and they have CBD cream, which is a really phenomenal one. Um, I've been using this probably for a month. I had a chance to meet Mike. He was out here and we had a little workout and shot the shit. He'll probably come on the podcast at some point. Um, Just a phenomenal dude. Great story. Also left fighting early because he wanted to save his brain. Uh, got my hand raised right now, even though none of you all can see that. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, I left at 32. He got out early for the same reasons. He made it a bit further in his boxing career. I think he fought for a title. I'm not sure. Um, I got to look that up. I should know that. But anyways, phenomenal dude. Uh, disclaimers are, it's not intended to treat or cure, you know, as a cure or a treatment. Soul's philosophy around efficacy means solving for optionality and choice. Everyone's system is different and there's no standard use that works for everyone. We recommend starting low and going slow. Dedicate time to listen to your body and access and assess how the active compounds of the plant are affecting you. Please please consult with your doctor if you have any concerns or medical related questions. Head over to mysoulcbd.com. That's M-Y-S-O-U-L-C-B-D.com. And apply code KKP at checkout for 15% off everything. Excuse me, uh, do you mind repeating that? MySoulCBD.com, KKP at checkout, 15% off. We're also brought to you by my boys, my, my favorites, my guys. Organifi.com slash KKP is where you can get it. Organifi is phenomenal. Drew Cannoli is the founder of this. He's been on the podcast. Please check that out if you have not. I think he's in Sedona, out of San Diego, and we're trying to get him to Austin. Um, this is just incredible. Most of us could use more energy in our day, but caffeine can only do so much. At some point, we need to look at the root causes of our fatigue. It turns out, Two main factors in low energy are chronic stress and lack of nutrition. Organifi creates delicious superfood blends that address both of these problems. They use adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms to help balance cortisol levels associated with stress, and they make it easier to add more nutrients into your day. You simply mix a scoop into water or the plant-based milk of your choice and enjoy a natural boost at any time of day. If you've got a busy schedule, it can be hard to get all your nutrients on the go. Even if you had the time to juice vegetables or eat massive salads, you might not love the taste of dark leafy greens. As And you might even have an issue with that, to be perfectly honest. There might be some uh, lectins and other things that your body just doesn't agree with. As we all know, a lack of nutrition can lead to low energy, bad moods, and all sorts of long-term issues. That's why Organifi makes it easy to fill your life with more nutrition using delicious superfood blends. Add a scoop to a glass of water to energize and nourish your day with carefully picked adaptogens, fruits, vegetables, medicinal mushrooms, and more. It's one of the easiest, healthy choices you can make each day. Not all plants are created equally. We've heard fruits and vegetables contain vitamins and minerals we need for a healthy life, but have you heard of adaptogens? These are herbs and mushrooms that literally help you adapt to the stress in your life. They balance hormones, promote a state of calmness, and help you get back to homeostasis faster than usual. Organifi specializes in creating delicious superfood blends powered by these adaptogens. Simply add a scoop, and that's it. You can make it super quick. I take this with me on the road wherever I'm at. They've got stuff like ashwagandha, reishi mushroom, rhodiola, and much, much more. Check it all out. I highly recommend it over at Organifi. It's one of the best tasting products you can put in your body. It's at Organifi.com slash KKP. That is O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com slash KKP. Use code KKP, 20% off store-wide. That's right, 20% off. We're also brought to you by Lucy. Lucy was founded by Caltech scientists who were former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative and researched and developed this for three years. They created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine that has three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. 
And they also have a lozenge. And it's funny because I, I, one of the guests that I had on listens to this podcast. I forget who it was, and I'm, and I'm painfully sorry. The episode hasn't released yet, but he, run, he was working out with me, and he runs the lozenge because it's just easier. It's a less, a, less of a thing to pay attention to with the chewing motion. A lot of people, if you're orally fixated or not, like the chewing motion. And biting down is actually something that can help you when you work out. Now, I can't recommend that gum's going to do the same thing, but one of the things that they found is that if you use a mouthpiece during strength training and you bite down on it, that actually equals more grip strength, which equals, equals more strength than any lift. doesn't matter if it's kettlebell work where you would associate grip strength. It affects bench press. It affects back squat. That's right. Back squat is affected by grip strength, which is affected by your jaw. So if you're chewing Lucy gum, which is a nootropic, and it's going to help you in your strength training, like I've told you for the last several weeks, maybe chomp down on that guy while you're in the gym and see what happens. Uh, That's just me talking there. I don't want to have to disclaim that at the end. Uh, Certainly not the same as using a mouthpiece, but anywho, he doesn't like the chewing motion. He uses the lozenge in either regard. The central governor of your CNS is your brain. And if you can tune that in to a greater degree of alertness, and awareness that will impact everything you do from studying, reading, regurgitating like I'm doing right now, or having a conversation and being able to actively listen, which is something that has been lost on society today. But we're working on that right now. And if you're listening to podcasts, you are a good listener. Point blank. You are not in the TikTok category. You're in the podcast category. So pat yourself on the back and you can even do it better. If you have trouble remembering a lot of the things that I'm talking about and you don't take notes, that's fine. We have show notes and we've also got Lucy Gum, which is going to tune you in because of the nicotine like nothing else. It stacks with all of your favorite nootropics. It stacks with caffeine phenomenally well. And I absolutely love this. This is a phenomenal entry point for people that are first looking to get a nicotine that is not some of these giant wads of chew. You see certain guys running cope and stuff like that. And again, that's got some other nasties in it. This is a far superior alternative to 99% of the tobacco products made on the planet right now. And the disclaimer, of course, this product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. There we go. All right. And that's it. 20% off everything at the store. L-U-C-Y.co. That is Lucy.co. Use the promo code KKP at checkout specifically for my listeners. 20% off. And last but not least, I want to give a shout out to my dudes at Symbiotica. They have bundles now um, where for every extra bottle you subscribe to, you get an extra 5% off up to five bottles, which is do some simple math here. That's up to 25% off. If you add Kyle 15 at checkout, you're going to get an extra 15% off. That's 40% off your first month, an additional 25% off each month after that. The Heart Health Bundle has been one of my longtime favorites. I put Tosh on that while she was pregnant with Wolf. It contains uh, methylated B12. It contains D3, K2, CoQ10, which is the best version of each. And it also contains the Omega. All of them are vegan-friendly. All of them use Mycel technology which is a phenomenal way of encapsulating every single one of these micronutrients into a fat globule, allowing it to pass through the stomach acid and actually get into the body. It's one of the most bioavailable products on the planet. Check it out, symbiotica.com, Kyle15 at checkout over there. And without further ado, welcome my brother Brigham to the podcast. We're in, Brigham. Finally, we get to sit down and have uh, have this conversation recorded, brother. Yeah, I love it. I'm excited. <laughs> um, 
let's just jump right in. We're gonna we're gonna discuss your life in the beginning. Um, what was the path and the trajectory that led to you to what you're doing today? Man, it's uh, I've been in healthcare pretty much my whole adult life. Uh, right out of college, I launched Cialis in North America, which for a lot of people who don't know what that is, that's the PDE5 inhibitor Viagra. It's a 36-hour Viagra is what it was labeled as. Um, so I launched that. I was in big pharma for five years, left that space and ended up in surgical sales for a company called Stryker. So I stood in surgery with some of the most prominent athlete, athlete surgeons in America, um, the who's who of orthopedic surgery and sports medicine, and got to see behind the curtain on the flaws and the challenges of, of healthcare, man, and how fucked up it is, honestly. Uh, and then my own personal experiences, I was in healthcare, living a life in this healthcare space. And me as an individual started to experience the, the, the gaps, the loopholes, the flaws. Um, in my own personal life. Um, I was 30 years old, uh, on the verge of obesity, diabetes, 24% body fat, trying to do CrossFit workouts every day, uh, seeing a nutritionist. Uh, it was my nutritionist who fucking finally said, hey man, something's not right. You're 30 years old, you're working out, you're eating right, you're missing something. We need to go get your blood work done. And a primary had never asked for my blood work. None of my other doctors had ever looked at my blood work. You know, and I'm a typical guy. I only go to the doctor when there's an injury or something bad. Um, but you would think at some point in my healthcare journey, somebody would have looked at my blood work. Uh, and, you know, jump forward, I kind of understand now why they didn't and how the whole system works and why there's these gaps. Um, but we ended up getting my blood work done. Uh, it took me three months to get in with a urologist. My insurance didn't approve the coverage because they didn't think it was necessary because I didn't see a primary first. Um, so I came out of pocket hundreds of dollars uh, to get in with this big name urologist in Houston. And uh, it took me, you know, two weeks, I get a phone call from him and I'm driving. I distinctly remember he says, uh, I don't know if you're fat because you have low testosterone or if you have low testosterone because you're fat. But what I can tell you is you are fat with low testosterone. And so it was the <laughs> shittiest bedside manner ever. And it was shitty to hear, but he gave me an answer. Yeah, mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> That's brutal. Um, so many people find themselves, in, it's like the chicken or the egg argument. But if you're never really looking, you can't really see how that that dovetails down. Yeah. You know, like, and it's all interconnected. Um, talk about your brother, because I know that was a big influence in your life. Yeah. And, you and we like seeing behind the curtain and wanting to do what you're doing. We, uh, being in, in the healthcare space, like I said, and standing in surgeries every day, um, and, and my journey uh, is where I started to see where there were issues. So one example I can give you is my, my brother had passed away from opioids um, at 27 years old unexpectedly. Um, none of us knew he was addicted. Um, uh, opioids are the number one killer of Americans ahead of every other disease state. Uh, it's a pandemic. And you say to yourself, why would a doctor write an opioid? And when I was in this healthcare space, I understood why. Doctors would try to write non-abusive, non-addictive pain creams, but insurances wouldn't cover it or insurance would push back. And if you look at the formularies on what insurances cover, they call them PBMs, which is a pharmacy benefit manager. 
who owns the pharmacy benefit managers? The answer is the big fucking insurance companies. If you really begin to connect the dots and look, PBMs are a group of conglomerates that decide what actually gets reimbursed and what is covered by your insurance plan. And they sit there and they, as a group, decide what is best for you. Um, these plans are then, these PBMs are owned by Cigna, Aetna, United, all of them. So the the big insurance companies who have the most to gain by not covering your meds are who decide what meds get covered. And so the reason I'm going to explaining that out is because that is why you get an opioid. When you come out of a surgical procedure or have an injury or tear an ACL, an opioid costs about 10 bucks a month for that insurance company to cover. They would much rather pay the $10 a month than put you on a non-abusive, non-addictive ketamine pain cream that cost $100 a month. Um, and at the time, this was a decade ago, those were like about 350 bucks a month. But again, it's, it's efficacious medications that aren't addictive, aren't abusive. And I didn't know. I just knew my brother died of opioids. He got addicted to opioids. Opioids are the number one killer of man. Why are they prescribing opioids? until I was approached by my orthopedic surgeons to open our own pharmacy. They came to me and they said, hey, why don't we start a pharmacy? We can legally start a retail pharmacy in the state of Texas. We will sign insurance contracts and it'll be beautiful because we can change healthcare and we can, instead of prescribing these addictive, abusive opioids, we can pivot and we'll write pain creams. And the beauty for us is a pain cream is more profitable um, from a business standpoint, but it's what's better for the patient. So take profitability and throw that out the window. Uh, yes, a pharmacy can make a little more money filling that product than they would a, an opioid, um, but it's better for you, the patient. And so that was our thought was, man, we'll just, we'll open these pharmacies and we'll focus on this. And what we saw is as soon as a product was covered within six months, the insurance cut the coverage. And sometimes they don't even make you aware. As a pharmacy owner, you, you all of a sudden have shipped out, let's just say $200,000 in uh, pain creams. The very next month, you're owed that $200,000 and you've already shipped the product. It's in the patient's hands. The insurance would just come back and say, yeah, we're not going to pay you for that. We decided effective on this date like backdate it and say, we, we cut coverage. So that's why there's an opioid pandemic. Like in, in a way it is being And they're, fed. they're highly, highly addictive. And Purdue yeah. has lost, I think they lost billions in a lawsuit where they were found guilty of covering up the information because they knew it yeah. was. And they said, you know, all, somehow all the scientists decided that that was not an addictive substance. Yeah. Somehow that's what they, they gathered from all the research and the data points so when people are like, you know, wearing fucking science stickers on their fanny pack, understand there is authentic real science. And then there's the stuff that comes from the pharmaceutical industry. There's yeah. stuff that where if you follow the paper trail, it looks a little different. And that did look a lot different because to say that opiates are not addictive, in particular OxyContin, it, that's absurd with what we know now. Mm -hmm. It's absurd with the actual statistics of death count and the statistics of uh, addiction, which must be far higher because nobody's coming out. Like, if you have an opiate addiction and you're, you're going to multiple doctors like that, at least they've, they've cracked down on that, but there was people going to multiple doctors to fill their prescriptions. So you're going through three X what you normally would of Oxycontin or Percocet or Vicodin or any of these other things. <clears throat> that's, that's a real issue. You know, to, to come back. Well, none of those guys they, are, none even of those how they guys fixed are, it yeah. was an issue because they all of a sudden, so they overnight, 
the government essentially and big big pharma created an opioid pandemic and got people addicted to these opioids. Then their plan to cease and stop that opioid addiction was make it really cumbersome and painful for the, for the doctor and their practice to write it, increase the liability for the provider to write it. They, they moved to what was called triplicate. So the doctor had to write a triplicate in order to prescribe an opioid, which became an obstruction to writing opioids. And then they wanted you to do toxicology screenings, but then the insurance didn't want to cover the toxicology screenings to make sure that that patient wasn't diverting the meds. So I could build you a whole chart that would blow your mind, but we got into owning toxicology labs because we went to we realized, hey, some doctors, no matter how much we tell them, are still going to write these opioids. So if you're going to write an opioid, or if you if if it's cost prohibitive for that patient to go on to something non-abusive, non-addictive, then shouldn't we at least make sure they're compliant? Shouldn't we at least make sure they're not diverting those medications? And for about two years, insurance covered those toxicology screenings. And then what happened is insurance came in and said, we think you don't need the toxicology screening this much. We think you should only be doing the tox screening maybe once a quarter. And it just backs it down, backs it down. So your compliance drops. There's no way to really check. Uh, another thing about you mentioned how addictive they are, we can judge, we can gauge, we know the biomarkers that tell us if you're addicted have a predisposition to become addicted to an opioid. Uh, it, it literally, it's a cytochrome P450 test. So it's a cheek swab. And this is what we did too. So it, I'm covering a lot of ground, but we, we we started with pharmacies. Then we got into the lab space. So we, we had the non-addictive, non-abusive pain creams in the event that the insurance would cover it. If not, and you step them down to an opioid, then it's, hey, let's implement some sort of protocol to make sure they're not abusing and let's utilize toxicology screenings. And furthermore, we had a genetic test that was a cheek swab that would tell us, can this patient even utilize the opioid? Because a percentage of patients don't absorb hydrocodone. Like Polynesian, people of Polynesian descent are poor metabolizers of hydrocodone. And that's known, but a lot of doctors are still gonna write it to them. So they still get the addictive, abusive, and the psychoactive effects, but they don't get the pain relief. And so through this cheek swab, we could tell you, is the patient truly not getting the pain relief and that's why they're upping their dosage and they're asking for more or is the patient an abuser? And we could tell you how you're going to metabolize every medicine on the market, including I'm, I'm a huge, uh, hugely against antidepressants as much as possible, but those antidepressants, we could use that same genetic test to tell you if Prozac was gonna work versus Cymbalta versus whatever the antidepressant may be and give you the statistical likelihood that that medication would work. It's a no-brainer. It's, it's literally a blueprint to you as an individual genetically that tells your provider how to treat you. Insurance quit covering it. So, I mean, it's like <laughs> any, any of this stuff that runs up the cost of care in insurance's mind, they're a for-profit you know, held to, they're, they're trying to make their investors happy. And how do they do that? It's through cutting the cost or increasing your cost, cutting their uh, expenditures and increasing their profitability. That's the only way to make it work. Yeah, and they've been, they, that, that, that isn't changing at all. Not anytime soon. No. Um, obviously, there's a whole host of things we can get into in terms of what's failing in medicine. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because Obviously, you know, as we've discussed over the last year, we've seen a number of things that have had cracks in the system from education to finance to healthcare to our food. Uh, they're really being exposed right now. 
you know, and, and I, I see your model of healthcare being something as a way of the future. Genetic testing is phenomenal. I mean, and there's, there's guys mm-hmm. I want to have Len May on to discuss just the, the genetics behind cannab- cannabis and, and uh, cannabinoid receptors within the body and like mm-hmm. really fine tuning that. So it's not like, oh man, I had a bad experience with pot. It's like, no, no, no. This strain will do this for you. This strain yeah. will do that for you. This CBD, uh, you know, by by this means will, of administration won't work, but by this means it will. You know, all that stuff. It CBG would totally will. make sense, though, too, what you're saying, because especially with an edible, it's going to be absorbed through this uh, through the cytochrome P450 uh, pathway. So because it's 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 consumed through the digestive tract. So it's the same as a pill. It's a medicine. Mm-hmm. Marijuana is a medicine. That's being proven. And, you know, medicine can be efficacious and it can blow up in, the, in your face if it's not utilized properly. Yeah. So, yeah. So I see, I, I see this from all things, whether it's plant medicine or, or standard uh, medicine. And then, of course, you know, the, the future of medicine, which a lot of what you guys are doing from between peptides, hormones, and all these different things that actually can shift your state of well-being very rapidly. I want to dive into that. But I, I'm looking at that genetics piece. It's, it's such a cool piece. And really diving in, talk about some of the differences. You know, you guys started off in the pharmacy game. Mm-hmm. What led you to want to have a practice and start to work in the telemedicine space? So, um, one of the things that led us to opening a practice was seeing the amount of pressure that was being put on providers. So, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I went from opening a, a pharmacy that was part of the insurance game, where we worked with United Cigna Aetna and begged for them to pay for your meds and negotiated contracts and went back and forth and took beatings and all of those things. Um, we also owned a lab that did genetics and toxicology. Um, and then lastly, we got into blood work. So we would go educate providers on the importance of a comprehensive blood panel. I would tell them my personal story. I didn't realize till I was 30 years old that I didn't have to be obese. I didn't have to be pre-diabetic. I didn't have to be all these things. It went undiagnosed. And you'd say, well, why? The reason why is the average primary care has eight minutes with a patient in America, eight minutes, because they are billing the insurance. And in order for them to stay alive and viable as a practice, they can't spend more than eight minutes with you. So they are turning and burning patients. If by luck during that eight minutes, we could talk them into pulling your blood and taking a comprehensive blood panel, which most of them won't do because they don't have the time. Even if we can get their ear and bend their ear and get them to do it, which we did when I owned the blood lab, what we saw is the insurance companies over time, let's say I go and educate a big orthopedic surgeon on what the importance is of proper blood work and knowing that patient from a biological level uh, and how that can help with the healing and recovery and regenerative medicine and all of those things. So the doctor buys in and he does it. He will start, he or she will start getting a letter from the insurance carriers. And this is what we saw. So any provider that started pulling comprehensive blood within six months gets a nasty letter saying, hey, you're basically on United's naughty list. You, Dr. So-and-so are increasing our cost of care. If you continue to run these comprehensive panels, we will have to reconsider your contract. And as a primary care in the state of Texas, if you lose Blue Cross Blue Shield, you're out of business. That's 40% of your payer mix. If you use United, lose United, you're out of business. So they're terrified. And so it's such a complicated thing to explain. What forced us essentially to launch into this model was I realized there's no working with the system. There, there's just, it, the system is so fucked. 
<laughs> there is no fixing it. And it's like the only way to fix it is to take yourself out of their game, to go to a cash pay model, to reduce the cost of care, to manufacture the products. Think Amazon meets Uber meets healthcare. Bring it all in, but with regenerative, preventative medicine, most regenerative and preventative stuff's not covered by the insurance. Most testosterone therapies, growth hormone therapies, any of the peptides, almost all of that's considered investigatory by the insurance company. Stem cells aren't covered by the insurance companies. Amniotic tissues, uh, placental derived tissues aren't covered. Um, we can go down the list. It's it's a lot easier to say what is covered than what isn't. Yeah, that's 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 bananas. I mean, it doesn't. It's bananas. It's not like I mean. I think understanding this from the inside out, it's not. Uh, it's not hard to see why. You know, like profit driven model. Okay, I get it. But at the same time, it's it's really unfortunate because we've never been fatter as a society. Childhood obesity is on the rise. Uh, allergies is on the right. You name it. There isn't a single thing that we look at that hasn't risen over the last 30, 40, 50, 60 years, 100 years, yep. right? Everything has jumped. And Except testosterone. Yeah. <laughs> all, the average all, male the, testosterone levels plummeted. All Porthel models <laughs> and, and sperm for that matter, but all, all uh, anything you would gauge for poor health is through the roof. And so that clearly that model is broken. And one of the things that I loved, I mean, the first time I went through this with you guys with Ways to Well, I had a 45-minute conversation with somebody who knew just as much as any healthcare practitioner or functional medicine doctor I'd ever worked with. And that just blew me away. Like, I was like, oh, I thought I'd have to educate and, you know, like, yeah. oh, this is the reason I don't want to do this or that. And this is the reason I'm not worried about... Um, LDL versus HDL, you know, things like yeah. that. Like, hey, all right, I've yeah. got a whole host of books I can send your yeah, way. Yeah. And it was like, no, 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 we're all on the same page here. And that was really special to see that. Um, also really to spe really special to see like the the total cost out of pocket, I think for for me was, was around a, a couple hundred bucks a month mm -hmm. for a quarter, you know? It was like, holy shit, like th that's, that's phenomenal. You yeah. know, obviously that's going to be wide ranging for different people depending on what their needs are. But I was like, this is completely affordable. Absolutely. And that, that's the goal is to, is to make it affordable. One of the things you said that, I, that it triggered this thought before I forget and lose my train of thought is preventative medicine in the pandemic of diabetes in the United States. So for an insurance carrier, they have the analytics. It's an eightfold increase in the cost of care to keep someone alive once they've transitioned from pre-diabetes to diabetes. So you'd say, why in the hell would they not treat pre-diabetes with metformin, with testosterone therapy, with any of these things that can help that patient drop that weight um, and really look at them at a biological level and practice preventative care because they could save in the long run. And the answer is, as you peel back the layers to the onion, the average person gets their health insurance from their employer. The average person switches employment every three to four years. So if I'm United Healthcare and I'm covering your testosterone therapy and your peptides and all these preventative investigatory and in quotation meds, I'm basically setting you up to save United save Cigna or Aetna money in three to four years when you switch jobs. Right? They kick the can down the road. We'll let that become Cigna's problem or we'll let that be Blue Cross's problem. But we're not going to risk our profits today for Wall Street today for the theory of tomorrow that we're going to save eight times our cost on this patient. 
And so that's one of the flaws with that whole insurance-based system. Um, with us, we can take the time to talk to a patient for 45 minutes because we're not at the will of the insurance companies. We can sit there and, and I, I, I say it's the three Cs. We have to be cost-effective, which is one of the things you brought up. We, we're trying to make this affordable to the, the single mom, affordable to the dad who's working the night shift. Like I wanna bring boutique concierge care to the masses. I want to bring it, you know, where it's not just you and the Joe Rogans and the Aubreys of the world that can afford it, where it's, you know, it, the average Joe, the average Jill that can afford this. Um, it has to be convenient. That's another thing that we're doing at Ways to Well. We've pivoted away from a brick and mortar setup. All of your meds are mailed to your doorstep. Your consults are virtual and digital. Um, you can do them from the comfort of your own home. You can do them on your lunch break. Uh, whatever makes sense for you and we can make that work. And as we progress, we're gonna move more to an app-based system where my hope is you can just text us. And if you text us and have a question, instantaneously you get a video tutorial that explains in layman's terms, the answer to your question, or the system automatically refills your prescriptions as long as all of your data is in line and we have it. Um, just to make it simplistic. And then the last is, is it needs to be comprehensive. And that's where the current system's failing people as well. It's not comprehensive. You come in saying, I have no sex drive. Your doctor puts you on Viagra, right? He's got to get you in and out of there. Okay, well here, take Viagra. Well, that doesn't increase your sex drive. That just helps your ability to get an erection. Like let's look at the root cause. And you can't do that without pulling a comprehensive blood panel. And you can't pull a comprehensive blood panel because the insurance companies are going to hammer you it's what came first, the chicken or the egg. So the only way to fix that was to step out of that market space with ways to well, and that's what we're trying to do. It's cash pay, it's convenient, it's mailed to your doorstep, and we'll spend as much time as needed, uh, on average 30 to 45 minutes with a patient. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I mean, I learn every time I have a call, I learn more about myself. And it's cool, I'll, I'll dive a bit into the personal here because I've had you know, uh, two blood draws now. I think we've been working together for about six months, give or take, but we knew each other before that, obviously, in fit for service. Yeah. I for, totally forget yeah. that sometimes. <laughs> like, you remember in fit for service. That's how we got to meet each other. So that was dope. Heading on to off. Which for fit that. for service was awesome. Hell I yeah. I highly recommend that. And um, yeah, you know, when I, at the time, yeah, I've, I've mentioned this loosely, but you know, as, as Czech mentions, there, you know, all stress leads to stress in the body if it's chronic, right? Period. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's your wife, doesn't matter if it's squats. If you're doing anything over, then it, it moves from acute into chronic stress. And those stress piles create physiological responses, which can lower testosterone, increase cortisol, you name it. Um, when quarantine hit, I hadn't been working out a whole lot. I had a lot of things happen and it was like, fuck the weight of the world, mm -hmm. right? I remember throwing my back out, just bending over to grab something off the floor. <laughs> I'm, I was fucking 38 years old, you know, yeah. like what is happening right now? You know, and I couldn't lift heavy. I couldn't do a lot of things. I could barely even do yoga. And, um, you know, we did that, that initial blood work and we saw a lot of things were off. There was, there was quite a few. And I was like, well, yeah, that's kind of indicative of where I'm at. But uh, for example, liver enzymes were through the roof, you know, like a lot of things that I'd never seen before, even when I was at ASU and partying and, and treating mm -hmm. my body like an asshole, <laughs> didn't have liver enzymes that high, you know, and um, through the four months of working with the different peptides, TRT, and, uh, and stem cells included, you know, just on a, on a, you know, on the, on the acute, you know, knee level and neck level from having a broken neck, mm -hmm. all of those things 
with rehab and actually doing the work, working out, getting to bed on time, eating properly, there wasn't a single marker that came back when we looked at the, the, this, this most recent blood work that hadn't improved significantly. Everything jumps through the roof. Everything improved. And to put that into plain quality of life context, I'm now able to work out two or three days a week again. I'm doing rehab every week. Uh, I'm playing games like pickleball, which I couldn't have played for a long time just because I couldn't twist effectively. And I certainly couldn't do it fast. You know, so pretty much every marker that I would say that matters and on the blood panel to, to back that up, but also just on the how I express each day. You know, like, what's it like getting out of bed in the morning? How much energy do I have? Am I effective in the gym or am I just trying to ease my body into it? Like, I'm fucking crushing shit. I'm deadlifting heavy. I'm (laughs) benching heavy. I'm doing a lot of things that I couldn't do before. Everything feels better from top to bottom, from how my brain works to how my body feels to how I recover. Uh, I'm, I think, sub 8% body fat for the first time since I was fighting. Hell that's, yeah. That's a fucking good yeah, feeling. That's awesome. You know? That's a really good feeling to have. There's no doubt about it, brother. And you're an elite level athlete. You, you see even bigger uh, improvement in markers of the average Joes. I mean, a lot of these guys, they, they, and girls, they just don't know. They have, they have no idea. And they, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, well, I mean, I'm tired. We'll ask the questions and they'll fill out the questionnaire and they'll say, oh, I'm a little tired. Ah, oh, my sex drive's okay. You know, blah, blah, blah. And then when you start talking to them and dialoguing, the patient opens up and they say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm tired. After three o'clock, I'm just faded and I'm so exhausted and I don't make it to the gym. And, you know, they'd start spilling the beans. And the truth is you're living a subpar life. You, you, like you, you just have gotten used to the shittiness. And it's like, we can, you don't have to live that life. That doesn't have to be the case. You should be able to have energy in your 40s. You should definitely be able to have energy in your mid-30s. And all the way through the rest of your life, there's no reason why you can't recover, heal, be energized, have an active sex life, uh, feel like you did in your 20s. That's the goal. At Wastewell, that's one of the things we do a little bit different is we took the average biomarkers of a healthy uh, 22 year old male, 22 year old female, what were we at in our prime? And we try to get you there. We try to get you on all these biomarkers uh, back to where you would have been in your essentially early to mid 20s. Yeah, you're not comparing to the, the what's well, normal in an obese society. Yeah. You know, like yeah, the challenging, the challenging uh, urology practice today is the number they use for low testosterone is based off a huge age demographic. I don't know the exact, it's it's like 20 to 70 something. It's it's a huge, so we all know after 40, your testosterone plummets. And so when they say, oh, well, you're 350, you're fine. You're not low. We know factually we were walking around at plus 1500 just 20 years ago. Now the average male, I don't know what they're at, but it's plummeted. Um, 30 million men a year are diagnosed with low T. It's a pandemic too. Uh, is it our diet? Is it the environment? Is it our lifestyle? Work schedule, sleep. I mean, probably, it's probably some combination of everything. Sunlight versus this light we've got here indoors. Quite likely. I mean, through the 200 plus episodes I've done, especially with the focus on health and fitness, you know, there, there's, there can be no doubt that there's truth into everyone I've had on from the, the Paul checks who's figured, you know, just about every damn thing out to somebody like Matt Maruka, who specializes in understanding how light impacts the body. You know, all of those things 
are there, what's our workaround? You know, like I can put on blue blockers indoors and not take in a ton of extra blue light at night and things like that. That's not the same as, as, you know, working in a garden outside and going and hunting for my food. It's just not the fucking same. And I'm not going to bridge that gap because of the responsibilities of the modern world. So I think about this and this isn't like for, for people that are first tuning into this, like, yes, I take TRT and I fucking love it. I started with testosterone when I was very young in order to play college football and, and to increase my chances of making it to the NFL, which is my lifelong goal. Coming off of that, which I have at times, there's not a whole lot of wiggle room there for me. My body doesn't produce a lot. So I'm not, this isn't a wholesale prescription for everybody needs to get on <laughs> test right now. You're going to love it, brother. Yeah. That's not it. Um, I've had a number of people that I've put through to you guys who are still younger and they they came back with a ton of low testosterone, not, not a ton of low. They came back with a low T count. They didn't want to go on testosterone replacement therapy. And you guys have workarounds for that. That still increase sperm count and still get them, uh, still leave them with the ability to have more children and all those question marks that people have. So it's not, there's no one size fits all with any of this stuff. And I think what's beautiful about what you guys are doing is because you're not using an insurance model, you have the kitchen sink of what's available today. You have the best of right now medicine. You have the best of the future of medicine. And and I wanna dive into peptides and things like that, but I just wanna set the table and let people know, like this isn't a, hey, take the stack that I'm on. Yeah, we we try to tell people all the time, we're not a low T center. Like what the low T centers are doing is dangerous and it's not healthcare, it's sick care. It's the same thing. They're charging $30 a testosterone shot. Uh, they're giving everyone the exact same thing. They're not managing your hematocrit. They're not managing your estrogen levels. They're not really truly looking at you at a biological level and optimizing you. Uh, it's pretty much a one trick pony. And we use an array. I mean, because, so we also, in order to get the cost where I needed to get it, I had to build uh, a million dollar plus facility. I mean, we have a 503A sterile pharmacy, 26 pharmacists and pharmacy techs on staff, a huge team of people. Uh, we compound everything uh, in our sterile room uh, in-house. Um, so we can make anything under the sun, including proprietary blends of testosterone, of peptide therapy, of IGF-1, of a lot of these different um, molecules that people are now utilizing for anti-aging. I was just listening to David Sinclair and uh, there was a lot of controversy. I'm sure you heard on like metformin and athletic performance and does it help, does it hurt? What does it do for longevity? Because the longevity studies on like a product like metformin. So we have, we have several products that include metformin. Um, we have a product that has metformin, resveratrol, an array of the anti-aging molecules, but it's all pharmaceutical grade uh, products that we have to independently verify and prove that it's what we say it is. Um, and what we're seeing, like the numbers with metformin that David Sinclair went over is a diabetic patient put on metformin has a longer life expectancy than a person who was never diabetic. It's staggering what they're seeing with metformin. And this is a product that's been on the market 25 years. It's utilized to treat diabetes and prediabetes, um, but it helps with cellular turnover. There's an array of different things that it's doing in the body. And the only, the only knock that it has against it today was a study that was released maybe two years ago that they talked about on Joe Rogan that was uh, 
that was basically saying metformin hinders athletic performance. Right, and, and so, and then that, 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 again, just to context is super important, right? So there is the conversation of what is best for an athlete, and then there's a conversation of what is best for the general population, yep. right? And those are two different conversations. There's some overlay there, right? Like we look to uh, some of the best in sport to learn like what is the best available therapy. Like if I start using... Um, you know, compression or vibration mm -hmm. percussion instruments to help recover faster or ice baths, for example, like fucking cold baths since Wim Hof came off. I'm like, yeah, this is of all the things I've ever tried. One of the most important investments I've ever made in my life is to have my own cold bath. Um, what do you give that, it at temperature wise? I'm just curious. Well, I use the cold plunge. <laughs> and my it's, knowledge. It's, it's lowest temperature is 39, but the water moves. So yeah. I found that to be even colder than 33 in a chest freezer. Okay. Because it's moving. You don't yeah. really adjust yeah, to yeah, it at any point, flowing. right? But it's at 39 around the clock. So, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the point is like we can look to the best athletes in the world, see what they're doing, and then we can track that back to general population. And I'm somewhere in between that. I'm probably closer to pro athlete, but I'm not nowhere near I was when I was a pro athlete. And due to injury and a whole host of other shit and a lot of mileage on this vehicle, I, I do share quite a few, you know, uh, things, especially at the beginning of last year where I'm looking at like, hey, man, I'm actually feeling like most people on this planet right now. And so the, I just want to be clear on that context of that. Like there's, you guys are doing stuff for everybody. Correct. It's not just the pro athletes. It's not just me and Tim Kennedy and these other guys. It is a lot of general population people and you've got the route for each of them. No, for sure. And it, uh I would say the lion's share of who we treat are the average Joes. Um, there's so many weekend warriors, triathletes, jujitsu guys. I mean, everyone wants to be an athlete, whether they're an athlete or not. And we're so much more active. I feel like there's, especially in Austin, there's a huge population. And so for for Ways to Well, we're in the entire state of Texas. Uh, my pharmacy revive is in, in 43 states. Um, so we can ship meds in 43 states throughout the U.S. Um, and a lot of who we treat are the weekend warriors, are the average Joes. We do work with high-end athletes. We have been very fortunate to meet people like you and Tim. And, and just through word of mouth, we've gotten to work with some really cool people. Um, but we work with people from all walks of life. Um, it, it, the interesting thing about the metformin was even in athletes, the study, what it really showed was it's about a 5% decrease. And the decrease had no biological uh measurement to, to explain why. And when they interviewed the athletes, it was that they had less energy. And so they felt like they couldn't perform as much. And so what David Sinclair talks about is take the metformin later in the day. Don't take it before your workout. Um, and you won't experience that decrease in performance um, or learn to power through the lack of energy, knowing that you're increasing your longevity. But 5% in an athlete athlete population, I get it. Like that's that's the difference between you making, you know, winning or losing, you know, yeah. five winning you're, or not people are battling for 1% <laughs> difference. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I you know, I ran I have done one round of metformin and was aware of that that conversation. I know Peter Atias talked about, you know, both sides of that coin in the past. And um I'm 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 fascinated by it. And I was like, let me just, let me just run it here. And it, it's funny because I was just starting out with the, the heavier and harder training again. 
And so it was really hard to gauge. You know, mm-hmm. I was out of shape by my standards, not yeah. out of shape by standard standards. Yeah. And and you know, I just didn't feel any type of hindrance from it. You know, yeah. especially because I'm out of the game. I'm it's not like I'm competing anymore. And when it comes to that, I mean, that was just like there was no question that that had an impact on me positively. There's no mm-hmm. question that that influenced my carbohydrate uptake, my metabolic rate, like all of those things were improved because I still trained while I was doing it. And um, yeah, Sinclair's a funny guy, you know, cause he's, he's he, here he is on the forefront of studying longevity and at the same time, you know, taking statins and, and yeah. kind of getting, 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 getting uh, you know, in the weeds a little bit when it comes to standard Western medicine that I'm not about. Yeah. But um, it, it, I, I, I appreciate his work and I appreciate, you know, the fact that he is, He's a really good spokesman for the stuff that he's studying and working on. The beauty of it is, is people are at least discussing longevity, right? Aging, age, linear age, and bio, like I think because of people like him, people are realizing linear age and biological age aren't the same thing. How many revolutions we've had around the sun doesn't, you know, doesn't dictate our biological age. Like some people are at much lower biological ages because they take care of themselves. They stay active. They've increased their life expectancy. Um, they choose to treat. They choose to get ahead of it and and keep their hormones optimal, keep their lifestyle optimal, keep their diet optimal. They intermittent fast, they ice bath, they do all these things. All those stressors and treatments are, it's proven that it takes years off your uh, your average like biological age and increases years to your life expectancy yeah and quality of life that's really it you know i'm not it's funny you get into like the 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 transhumanists and all that i'm not going to david ike on this podcast today but uh you know like there there's a strong push for you know oh by this date we'll live to 150 and by this date and it's like all everybody who who's in that camp it's you know it's kind of a funny topic because as these predictions are coming out, we see that I think not long ago, we saw the first generation of kids that were expected to live not as long as their parents. Mm-hmm. That was what was not predicted, but what we were facing. Like this is the reality yeah. of where we're at, right? And so I, I think about things like that and it's like, I don't care to live to 150 or 200. I wanna live 100 really quality years. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to die when I'm supposed to die and not worry about that and and say yes to the next place and inherit a new body and not in my own humble opinion not worry about, you know, everything I've done in this body but but uh trade in at that point and be cool with that. But but the last years of my life I want to enjoy. I don't want to be stuck on a walker or in a, a mm-hmm. scooter or any of that shit. Like I want to fucking live fully and make sure that even though I've put a lot of miles on this vehicle early on, that I'm doing everything I can right now so that 60, 70, 80, 90 looks really good and I move pain three throughout the world. You're triggering a thought, like one of the things uh, that made me really focus on this space uh, when we were talking about my family history is my dad's diabetic. My brother who passed away was diabetic. My sister's diabetic. My grandparents were diabetic. They also all struggled with obesity. They also, and my dad would make these comments when I was younger and he was overweight was, well, I'm gonna die fat and happy. Well, I'm gonna die fat and happy. And now seeing him transition to his 60s, that's young. I have friends in their 60s that run marathons, that are shredded, that look like professional athletes. Mark Sisson's in his 60s. <laughs> that dude's playing, playing ultimate Frisbee and surfing and stand-up paddleboarding, and he's, he's shredded. You yeah, know, he's it's living. amazing. 
Like, and, and, and I see the choices that he has made has put him in a, he's not very mobile. It, he's got bad knees. It, it's, it's a tragedy. It's, it's sad. It's sad to see. And he doesn't have to be that way. And now for him, he wants to fix it. But now you're, you've dug such a deep hole, right? It, it's easier to prevent these diseases. It's easier to get ahead of it when you're in your 30s and 40s and 50s than it is to wait for, you know, the ship to start sinking before you decide to patch the holes. Like, let's fix the ship now so it doesn't sink. Like when we're in the middle of the ocean, like there's a better way to do this. And it's not really even people's fault because they, a lot of people don't know where to find the resources, where to get the education, where to understand. And that's one of the things I want to do with Ways to Well too is include the patient in the journey. Because for my dad, for instance, he's a stubborn old man now. And he's like, well, that doctor was an asshole and his white coat telling me what to do. And <laughs> it's very authoritarian. And I don't think in the world we live in today, patients respond well to that. And so for me, I want to make this this is a team. We're here to help. We're just, all we are is a resource. You, you decide what's best for your body. We're going to give you the tools and the educational material and have a, a lively conversation to educate you, but we aren't ever going to dictate to a patient what to do, what not to do. That's not, that's not what we do at Wastewell. At Wastewell, what we do is work hand in hand with the patient and allow the patient to drive their own journey because that's the only way you get real buy-in. If you've got somebody who's on the verge of morbid obesity, a pill's not going to fix that. It's it's going to take a lot more than that, and it's going to take, you know, their buy-in to to get there. Um, but with their buy-in and with them feeling like they're driving their journey, it's crazy the results we've seen. Yeah, I can imagine. Let's let's talk about some of the peptide therapies that are out and things of that nature. I mean, um, I've I've had a couple of doctors on previously that went down the rabbit hole maybe a year, two years ago. So it's it's, it's been a while since we've talked peptides. Talk about some of the the important peptides that you guys work with and and what's on the cutting edge, you know, when it comes to this stuff. Because these seem to be of of all the injectables for that matter, some of the most profoundly beneficial and least side effect mm-hmm. medicines on the planet. Yeah. Um, I know, yeah. So when we first we've been in the pharmacy business uh cash pay model for over five years. So in the early days, a lot of people were using uh they're using GHRP two and six and uh, Samoralin and a lot of the m- more old peptides. I would call them now. Um, some people could not handle those hunger pains. Uh, I mean, it, it it definitely increases your your hunger level. Um, the new ones, not it's not really new anymore. But CJC Epimoralin, uh, and we're also utilizing BPC one fifty seven. Um, we've had really, really, really good results with BPC-157. Um, so BPC-157 is going to work on tendon, ligament, joint tissue. I think one of the first, uh, I know I've spoken about it before, but a quick refresher. I think one of the the uh, ugly <laughs> ugly uh, science experiments they did was they severed the Achilles of rats. And then they gave them, either gave them BPC-157 or they didn't for the control group. And the the, the rats that had the BPC-157 healed like six times faster. Their Achilles Yeah, it's healed. great. I can give you a human example of that. And again, this is a anecdotal example. I'm not a clinician. I own Ways to Well. I have clinicians on staff. I am not a medical provider, so this is not medical advice. But- Tim Kennedy, who did a testimonial for us, and so I'm sharing something that he's already shared and that you could resource uh, on our uh, Instagram or website. But 
Tim came to us with a torn ACL and torn MCL. Um, and his ACL was fully torn, his MCL was partially torn. And I told Tim, hey, it's, it's medicine, not magic. You know, we could hit you with stem cells and BPC, but it's not gonna reattach a ligament. But your partial tear, it could definitely help. And I didn't wanna overpromise. Um, we treated him with BPC. We gave him a, one round of stem cells prior to surgery, and we got him in with a great orthopedic surgeon uh, in San Antonio um, who took TRICARE because Tim's military background. Um, when they went in for the surgery, the doctor said, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I don't know, I've never seen this. Your MCL is fully healed. Fully Damn. healed. And Tim was a big time skeptic. When he first came in, he was kind of aloof and like, I don't know, are you guys legit? And you know, all of that. Now he's like, whatever I can do to help y'all. Like uh, he did a testimonial for us talking about BPC and how he, you know, they call it the Wolverine molecule for a reason. It helps with healing. Uh, it helps reduce inflammation. Um, so was it the BPC? Was it the uh, placental derived tissues that what people are calling stem cells? Um, I, I don't know, because we hit him with both, um, but he had tremendous results. And then when he came back in for his follow-up with us for his round two, he said, I know this sounds crazy, but my fucking shoulders stopped hurting and my elbow stopped hurting. He's like, dude, these are injuries I've had for like eight years. What's going on? And we were, we were explaining to him like, this is, they will, these treatment modalities will find their way to the site of inflammation and injury. Um, that's, that's the only, the only, the only way to explain it. Uh, we've seen tremendous things. A lot of things we can't make claims on because we are a healthcare provider, but I have tons and tons of individual patient testimonials of huge improvements. Um, through yeah, it's, and BPC, BPC 157 is the same amino acid structure as gastric juice. You know, like it's, it's, it's a compound that your body recognizes. It's not some like weird foreign substance, you know, it's, it's, just, it's something that is inherently in nature and you're just using it differently within the body to mitigate healing, upregulate collagen synthesis and all the other ways that we start to rebuild the connective tissue. It's phenomenal stuff. And there are, to my opinion, in my experience, zero side effects from it. Yeah. You know, absolutely phenomenal. Um, a lot of the other ones you mentioned uh, as older, like the GHRPs and things like that, compared to the newer, like the CJCs and the ipamorelin, those are all going to stimulate growth hormone response. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Uh, and that's, so the benefit of, I mean, well, people are pretty educated, I think, for the most part now on growth hormone and what it does in the body, but it's essentially the fountain of youth. It's one of the most important things that we can uh, keep healthy. Um, and it stimulates your natural, which is a benefit versus taking uh, outside growth hormone, which at some point your body shuts off your natural growth hormone production. Um, so even for the guys who may be taking growth hormone, they can take the CJC in conjunction with it and keep their natural growth levels high. Um, kind of like what we use HCG for in guys who are on testosterone. Um, a lot of guys say, oh man, I don't want to go on testosterone because I don't, I don't want to mess up my natural testosterone level. And so I can't tell you how many times I get that. Like I have to explain to people, you're low. <laughs> you're already low. Your natural testosterone level is messed up. If we treat, it's not messed up, right? You're already screwed. You're already at a deficit. It's not going to crash it. It's not going, you're already not producing. We're going to improve your overall testosterone and your overall bioavailable testosterone. Um, and if you come off, the worst thing that happens is you go back eventually to where you were. 
um, we're not gonna, it will we'll re-kickstart your natural testosterone levels, um, but you're never gonna get, you know, to where so many people say, well, through diet and this and that, you could increase by maybe 20, 30%. Okay, well, if you're at 300, you're at now 390, you're still low. You're still like on the low end of the spectrum versus if we treat with testosterone, we could get you to 1,000 to 1,200 to the levels you were in your 20s. Yeah, and that's something, something that I frequently explain to people is that testosterone isn't necessarily, and this is just on you know one particular thing of a whole host of things that you guys uh, understand very well, right? But, but on testosterone specifically, it's not... You know, I want to get jacked and and enter into you know the the International Bodybuilding Federation and get on stage. Like it has nothing to yeah. do with that. I mean, certainly that's some people's goals, but really, you know, the the side effect of that is increased energy and mm-hmm. mental energy. You know, like the to feel young again isn't just so I can move and lift weights and run and do all that stuff. Like I actually feel younger mentally from testosterone, and that's mm-hmm. that's a pretty cool thing. You know, that doesn't get a whole lot of play. When people think about it, they're thinking about sex drive or recovering from workouts, or maybe even just the ability to start working out. You know, like if you don't have enough mm-hmm. energy to work out, that's a that's it's, a pretty it's, big hindrance. It's life you know? changing. It is truly for me. It was truly life changing, and that's partially what spurred the evolution of what we do. When I finally got treatment, I went from twenty five percent to seven percent. I mean, I was eating clean. I was seeing a nutritionist. I was doing a lot more than I'm doing today when I'm busy running these companies. But I dropped to seven percent, and all we did was optimize my hormones. And it was a difficult conversation. The urologist at the time, I remember him telling me exactly what I I said. What everybody says to us, well, I don't want to mess up my natural testosterone, and he's just blatantly, brutally honest. He's like, your natural testosterone's fucked. It's already <laughs> fucked. We're not gonna screw it up any more than it already is. He said, let me explain to you what happens if you don't treat. Don't treat, don't do anything. You're gonna continue to be fat. You're gonna continue to put on body weight. You're gonna continue to struggle with sex drive, with motivation, with energy levels. You're gonna increase your risk of heart attack, stroke, diabetes, all of the major killers of man. Or we treat. We get you to an optimal level, we drop the body fat, we lean you down, we help you live a healthier, happier lifestyle. We reduce the risk of diabetes, heart attack, and stroke, and the major killers of man. What do you wanna do? What makes sense to you? And so many people have it in their head that HRT, hormone replacement therapy, is you know a PED, it's performance enhancing drugs. And it's kind of an unfair thing. Unless you're competing at a professional level with other athletes, the you need to be at, you, you wanna be healthy, you wanna be at your best. And, and I would even argue with athletes, like I, I look at the UFC and I go, man, how is it safe? And I, you can tell me your opinion on this. I'm like, how is it safe to put like, you look at Vitor Belfort and, as he got older versus Pride and these other guys who could take testosterone while they're competing. Shel Sonnen, for instance, was like one of the last guys I remember being able to take testosterone. And once they told him they couldn't, it seems to me like this guy in his 40s is at a major deficit against this 22-year-old kid. He's yeah, I mean, walking they, around they, at 1,200. They, there's a million arguments there. So right? I don't like, understand well, why they don't just put a cap. The, the million... Don't come in under <laughs> over 1,200. <laughs> That's a whole rabbit hole because there's, 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 you know, there's the argument for why should the 40-year-old still be fighting or all this stuff. And I remember there was an article that Fox put out right when the UFC went on Fox and they were saying, of all the major sports, 
why is it that six former champions, guys who had won the title, yeah. are on TRT, you know, and have a testosterone use exemption? And that was a funny article because it explained, you know, it, it kind of showed it from all angles, but um, that's its own that's its own discussion, yeah. right? We're not, I mean, that it's its own discussion in sport use, but outside of that, you know, as we talk to former pro athletes, and look, man, I mean, getting hit in the head takes its toll too. You know, a lot yeah. of people coming out of fighting, and they're like. Oh, you know, I never took anything when I was fighting and I don't want to now. And it's like, well, yeah, depending on how many concussions you have, you might not be producing anything. Yeah, you know, I guess, like I guess what, I was trying, what, I, what I'm trying to say is we have to do a better job of destigmatizing TRT and yeah. HRT. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people call it hormone replacement therapy. I don't like to call it that. I like to call it hormone optimization therapy. Like, Hot. We're not replacing, we're trying to optimize you. We're trying to get you where you need to be. And maybe we can do that without testosterone. We may be able to do that with Clomid or HCG or some of these compounds that boost your natural testosterone levels. But so many patients are worried that they're taking a steroid or they're taking a PED. And it's, it's a tragedy because it's what they fail to realize is if you had depression or you had something you would treat, right? You go to a, psych, a psychiatrist or a psychologist. This is a disease. It's a, it's, it's, it puts you at a disadvantage. And there's way more risk factor to not treating than there is to treating. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Let's talk thymus and beta and some of these other ones that I'd, I'd only learned about in working with you guys because I'd never even heard of that before. Thymus and beta four, is that it? Yeah. T tell me about uh, that. We'll say I'm not, again, I'm not a clinician, but with same thing, we're using that to help patients with the, uh, the healing process, especially patients with acute injuries. Um, but we've seen phenomenal results in daily use. Uh, most of these are injectables. We also make a BPC before I forget that is an oral for people who have GI issues, gut inflammation. Leaky gut syndrome, um, yep. yeah. And so we're utilizing that on some big name athletes who uh, have GI issues that, uh, and we're seeing good results. Um, thymosin is utilized in conjunction with BPC a lot of times with us, because um, we see some synergies there utilizing those two products together. Um, but, I, I, we could uh, we go on for days about all these peptides and what they can do and how they can help. Um, well, I don't know. Are you want? Are you? I, I don't mean, know. Your yeah, yeah. Thymus and beta. And have um, you seen any BBC one five seven and then IGF one? I just started, and that's a funny one because you know in the longevity space, there's been arguments from Rhonda Patrick's camp versus Peter Atia's camp on like IGF uh, increased IGF one led to cancer in mice or you know, uh, chronically low IGF-1, you know, and Peter talked about that bell curve of, you know, if you're, if you're way low, that's going to lead to disease. If you're way high, that's going to lead to disease. But there are times in our life where we secrete very high amounts of IGF-1. When we're kids and mm -hmm. adolescents, if we break a bone, our body's going to secrete more. So we're used to shorter bursts at high levels being completely fine. And, um, you know, the way I understood this, and this is reading uh, for people who really want to dive into endocrinology and things like that, uh, the Anabolics series from Dr. William Llewellyn, we'll link to it in the show notes, Jose, thank you, brother, um, was a fantastic entry point for me to understand. And I never really knew how valuable those books were. But when I went on Peter Atiyah's podcast, The Drive, and I asked him that because we were discussing all this, he's like, oh yeah, William Llewellyn's the guy. Like he, he, he totally vouched for him. And I was like, all right, if Peter Atiyah says that, then cool. You know, William Llewellyn's a dude. Um, but it's a fantastic way to learn about a lot of these different things. And he covers a lot on peptides as a doctor. And we'll dive into that to, to really bridge the gap on information. But what I understood about insulin-like growth factor, 
LR3, is um, growth hormone would not have been named growth hormone. Growth hormone would have had a different name. Growth hormone would have been IGF-1's name mm-hmm. had they understood that first. And what happens is growth hormone, as we have it named, meets with insulin in the liver to create IGF-1. Mm-hmm. And the LR3 is just a longer acting, stays in the system longer. So they add that onto it to keep it available in the body. Uh, but IGF-1 is really what's going to help burn fat, increase uh, you know, protein synthesis, and as well, recovery, as well as connective tissue. And I, I, I fucking love this stuff. It is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, and I'm again, I'm not a clinician, but I do know meeting with our, so when we treat a patient, we put everyone in a room and we do chart reviews and uh, we've got a urologist who provides oversight. We've got a team of nurse practitioners. Uh, we have a pharmacist, everyone in one room talking about the pros and cons of treatments, what we're seeing, what the benefits are. And one of the things, uh, I'm bro science, right? So I don't know, I'm not, a, I'm not a clinician. And I said, well, why aren't we doing growth hormone? Why aren't we doing... And one, growth hormone is thoroughly regulated and hard to get, which is a whole nother topic in itself. But the other thing is, if you take outside growth hormone, you're you're crashing your natural growth hormone potentially. Um, and through the peptides, we can boost your natural growth through CJC, boost your natural GH levels, but then also boost what you're trying to get to anyway through IGF-1 NR3. And so you're not, you don't get the suppression of the natural GH levels. And that's one of the reasons that we decided to utilize the IGF-1 NR3 is in, in theory, we treat you with the CJC, we boost your natural GH. Uh, it ends up down the line becoming IGF-1. But in the meantime, we're also treating you with IGF-1 NR3 to optimize what you're looking to achieve. I love it. I love it. Well, we certainly, we certainly rabbit hold some peptides. Uh, you guys also being, you know, your own compounding pharmacy can still make standard medicine that most people might be coming from. So if they have regular prescriptions, you know, that, that stuff that's kind of out of my wheelhouse, um, that could still be made available to them if they switch over to your model. And, uh, you know, another, another point that I wanted to bring up was like, it's, you talk about how hard it is to get blood work done from a general practitioner and have it covered, uh, follow-ups would be that much harder, right? Yeah. So like, I mean, I'm, every three months, I'm getting a blood draw. For the first time, I mean, it's, it's weird to say it. The only other time I did that was in the UFC because I mm-hmm. had you know fights and you had to yeah. do blood work for fights. But even still, that wasn't to the degree of what we're looking at now. Like what we're looking at now every three months is, is really comprehensive. We're checking on zinc and magnesium levels and all sorts of stuff. And you guys also provide pharmaceutical-grade supplements in addition to the prescription uh, medication, that's top tier. You know, it's top of the line. And like I said, there wasn't a single marker that didn't improve. You know, every single marker from looking at something as simple as zinc to magnesium to vitamin D3, and then looking at, you know, big time, big ticket items, like what my liver looks like, uh, all of those things improved significantly in a matter of three and a half months. Yeah, it's and we've seen that across the board. It's uh, I'll butcher this because I'm not on the clinical side, like I've said. But uh, our pharmacist brought us uh, this algorithm. It was like Yale or Harvard, one of the major universities, um, of looking. It, it basically you have to have a comprehensive blood panel, and you put it into their algorithm, and it tells you your biological age. And so we did it with the patients we were treating at Ways to Well. And we were just curious, how do they, how, what kind of improvement do they have in their biomarkers? And in six months, our average patient 
based off this algorithm uh, from this university was a six year reduction in their biological age, meaning Damn. that they were six years younger, which is fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, and I so we're trying that. to get I'll, deeper I'll, into I'll, that. I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna have yeah, that done with my blood results. We can do results. it and see what, see what you're, literally all we do is plug your existing blood results into this algorithm. Um, and I don't wanna misquote who it was. It was either Yale or Harvard. It's one of the anti-aging institutes that came up with this algorithm saying, hey, if you wanna know your biological age, you gotta have a comprehensive blood panel and then you enter in these data points and it weighs them and calculates it out and says, biologically, you're at the level of this age. I like so that. we had a lot of people, we had one woman who came in and she's a CrossFit, uh, she competed at nationals, she was a beast. And her, even though she was only 35 years old, her biological age was 42. Yeah, when no, we so when I first she got to wrecked on it, her system. when I first got to on it, the, uh, we had done telomeres, which, which measures telomere length. And that's one indicator, you know, I think mm -hmm. one of the big five when it comes to longevity that they look at. And, and I was, I think 30, 36 or 37, but was 43 biologically. And I remember Ben Greenfield, who's, mm -hmm. you know, the, the holy grail of biohacking, yeah. you know, he had a higher biological age than his actual age. Uh, simply due to the amount of Ironman triathlons that he was doing, mm -hmm. right? So like you can burn the candle at both ends. And obviously he's improved significantly. I never did a follow-up with Telliers, but um, the thing that I appreciate about the algorithm, with, which look, this is these are the scient leading scientists' best guess mm -hmm. at what is gonna be longevity and what a true biological age is. But what I like about comprehensive blood work as opposed to just looking at telomeres, is you're looking at a whole host of factors that can likely lead to disease or health, mm -hmm. right? Including your metabolic flexibility, what is your fasting insulin, uh, fasting glucose, all of those things are gonna play a pivotal role in disease state versus health state. And I think if those are all factors in that algorithm, that's a pretty cool thing that might lead to a better judge or better gauge than just looking at telomere length. Yeah, it, it, uh, blood work, it, when people, a lot of people say, how often should I get blood work? The question is, I mean, I guess the, the answer is how often can you afford it? <laughs> like in reality, it's a snapshot of you in time and the better, more comprehensive analysis is more snapshots. Um, period. The, the goal for us long-term and in, in the, the technology is not there yet, would be able to do low volume blood. If we could do a simple finger prick, mail it into us, we analyze all those data points and we get you true accurate data, in a dream world, I'd love to be analyzing people's blood and biomarkers weekly, you know, make it part of a program, but it's unrealistic with a big needle stick um, in a blood draw. Um, so usually at least quarterly, um, you're going to have complete cellular turnover. I don't even remember, what is it, every 90 days or something like 90, 120 days, you have total cellular turnover, you're a new human. So it's like, why would you not want to know where your markers are at and how you've changed um, and measure your progression? Um, and I think historically, a lot of people, like my dad, for instance, would say, well, I don't want to know. Why don't, why don't, I don't want to know because then I'll have to fix it. You know? And it's like- It doesn't go away. Yeah. Just, you're we, not looking at it. It's better to know and to get ahead of it than to just delay, delay, delay. Um, preventative is the way to go. It's just not how we've traditionally practiced medicine in the United States, but it's definitely a more cost-effective, uh, more- beneficial way to live your life. Um, if you can stop yourself from gaining in, in any of these potential disease states. Yeah, and what is, what is the cost of treating full-blown diabetes? What is the cost associated mm -hmm. with treating cancer? What are the costs, what are, what are the costs and the, the toll on your quality of life when you survive a stroke, yep. right? 
Like yep. that, that's what you're fucking up against. Yeah. And, and the whole thing is like, I, and I tell people this all the time, uh, whether it's in fit for service or on this podcast, that your genetics do not determine outcome. They don't. Yeah. Plain and simple. Like it's not a death stamp. I, 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 both my wife and I and Aubrey, you know, looking at all of our genetic results, have a predisposition for diabetes and a predisposition for obesity. All three of us will never <laughs> sniff the, a diabetic state or an yeah. obese state. We're yeah. just not, it's just not going to fucking happen. Well, how is that possible if that's what my genetics say are going to happen? That's not going to happen because of epigenetics, because of environmental, because of lifestyle choices, mm-hmm. and because of the work that we do where we get to check along the way. How am I right now? Oh, mm-hmm. looks like I'm uh, starting to lose some of that metabolic flexibility. I've probably been eating like shit for the last couple of months. Oh yeah. And I've probably been lifting less weights for the last couple of months. Oh yeah. So like those start to, you start to be able to track that and see in real time, am, am, is what I'm doing benefiting me? Mm-hmm. Am I overdoing it? Am I underdoing it? And it allows us to fine tune and from there experience a better quality of life all along the way. I agree hundred percent. And a lot of it is giving people hope. Um, like what we talked about earlier, when you wake up one day and maybe you have let yourself go, it's a big hole to dig out of. And it's really hard. Um, not, not physically let himself go, but Justin Wren, he talked about this. He said, one of the things that resonated with him was he told our provider, I just want to feel normal. And she's like, no, fuck that. You don't want to feel normal. You want to feel optimal. We want you to feel phenomenal. We want you to feel how you felt in your 20s. And it's going to be an uphill battle. You've had malaria. You've had all these things. It's going to be an uphill battle, but we're going to know if we're getting there. We're going to know in a very short time frame. And so for him, when we started his treatment, we literally pulled his blood again six weeks later just so he could see biologically how he was improving and stay motivated. And Ren's um, another guy who's done testimonials, so you're not yeah, just yeah, yeah, throwing yeah, out correct. the fucking HIPAA laws or any of that stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, Ren, is a, he's done testimonials for us. He's, he's been boy. a huge yeah, a- advocate for us. Uh, and he's, he believes in the program because he's experienced the benefits. Um, and so for, for the people, even like the average Joes, a lot of it is I tell them it's not about being perfect, it's about being better. It's about better making better choices. I saw this when I was seeing a nutritionist. You know, the nutritionist was like to me at the time my last ditch effort at being healthy. I'm like, well, this is it. If this doesn't work, I'm fucked. And the guy, it motivated me. I knew I, I see the nutritionist in two weeks. He's going to do a pinch test. He's going to know my body fat, and he's going to ask me how I'm eating. And so it was an accountability coach for me. Mm. I would eat clean because I'm like, well, I'm seeing him in a week. Now I got five days. Now I got three days, and maybe right after you get out of there, you decide and you had good results, you slack off a little bit for a few days. But I knew in my head, there's this date, they're gonna look at me again. Um, and that's what we do with the blood work. Like we have so many people and we we know from your blood work what you're doing. We can tell, like our providers will break down and say, hey, you know, I noticed increase in liver enzymes, uh, your, your blood sugar glucose levels are off. Have you been drinking more? You know, and, and people will be like, how did you know that? It's like, we can tell, like your, your biological markers are almost precursors to what's come to come. That's the telltale sign of where you're headed is where are you at biologically at the cellular level? And that's why it's important to know. Yeah. You're going to know in brother. advance what's coming. Absolutely. Talk about, I mean, we, we've got a, little, a few more minutes here, but talk about what it would be like when somebody signs up at wastewell.com, like walk people through that process of first getting in and getting everything, you know, going. So depending on what your goals are and what you're trying to achieve, um, if you're wanting to just do comprehensive blood work and, 
essentially viewed as a uh, as like your annual visit. Um, that's as simple as just logging online, um, filling out a basic questionnaire, or you can call and uh, we can have one of our patient care advocates onboard you. Um, but it's simple online questionnaires that just allow us to onboard you as a patient and order your blood work. Because we are still a medical practice. Um, everything we do is doctor uh, prescribed, um, doctor monitored. Um, and so we would request your blood work, send you off to a quest. There's one on every corner. Um, we usually have your results back in three to four days and we get you back on the schedule and we do a, uh, a follow-up visit, which is all digital. Um, you know, it, it depends. We change the model to give you, you can choose to have a 30 minute or a 45 minute consult depending on your budget. Um, and then we will spend that time on the call answering any questions, deep diving into you at a biological level and going over all your areas of where you, not only where you're normal, but where you're optimal. And where in the normal range of like a primary care practice, they may say, hey, hey Kyle, your, your cholesterol is high. Well, we know enough data points to say, well, it's really not high. You're a guy with higher testosterone level. You're utilizing that cholesterol. Uh, you need that cholesterol. Um, so a little bit of a more uh, comprehensive approach to treating patients, um, but it's simple. Um, blood work, you log online, fill out your questionnaire, we order your blood work, you do your digital consult, any medications or treatment options are reviewed with you. And once you've decided what you wanna do, we mail it to your doorstep. So you never have to leave your house other than to get your blood work. It's fucking phenomenal, brother. Yeah. Where, where can people find you guys on the gram, website, waystowell.com? Yep. Ways to Wait, well on Instagram. Uh, at ways to well is our Instagram, ways to well.com is our website. And as we refine the website, the hope is if you're just looking for peptides, we could even do an online questionnaire. Certain medications and treatments, we need comprehensive blood work. But if you're somebody who feels like you have recent blood work or you're very educated on what you're looking for, um, we need an online questionnaire to onboard you as a patient. Um, but comprehensive blood work isn't necessarily required for everybody. It's, it's recommended. My, in my own opinion, yeah, it's yeah. highly recommended. And that's something that you want to keep tabs on because then, then, then you get to verify, right? It's not just, uh, oh, this is, I feel a lot better. It's and like, a lot of patients ask, well, what's the cost? Is it because we're not in this insurance game, we've tried to make this ultra cost effective, like I said earlier, for the average Joes. Um, our average patient's spending under $150 a month and that's treatments, blood work, consults, everything. Um, and it varies. We have plans starting as cheap as $60 a month. Um, and so it just depends on your goals, your budget and 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 how often you get your blood work done and what you're trying to achieve. I'm spending 500 a month on supplements <laughs> and, I, and I get a lot of free supplements. <laughs> I'm still throwing out that kind of cheese on supplements. So yeah, it's nice to know that the, uh, you know, the costs of medicine are, are so much less. I really appreciate what you guys are doing in the world. Um, it's, it is so necessary. You know, I mean, I don't know if cryptocurrency solves the financial issues of fiat currency. I don't mm -hmm. know. We, time will tell, right? But, you know, the reason why I think that's cool is because instead of just saying this system's fucked and we need to tear it down, it's like, let's bring something in that's a better way to do it. And that's what you've done with medicine and healthcare. And I'm, I'm fucking thrilled, man. I'm no, really, I appreciate really it. Appreciate and I appreciate you, you having us on the podcast, giving us a platform to try and get our name out there and, and make people aware that there are options. Beautiful. And we're brother. here to help. Thank you, Brigham. So, all right. Thank you, man. Appreciate it.